<laughs> then all right so anyway what i was saying is we're really working hard to build communities right and to create discussions where you are building really good rapport and relationships with others and where you'll plant seeds of hopeful curiosity in people when they ask about a vegan or plant-based style lifestyle so we also invite you to join our Facebook community so you can connect with others and find support and encouragement with like-minded members. And today I'm excited to welcome some change makers in the vegan field. And I should introduce myself first. <laughs> I'm Marikita Solis, Marikita Solis. And I'm so excited that I'm forgetting about me, but these, these two change makers have been working so hard for years in the vegan community, Angel Flynn and Light of Gentle World. They're gonna share with us today their story of how community really uplifts and is the key for successful living in, in the vegan lifestyle. We need each other. So welcome Angel and Light. Not sure if you can hear us, Marikita, but there's some wild echo going on. Oh, it just stopped. Were you not able to hear that? Is there another tab open? I had our mic muted. I don't know if there's the tab is running on another page, maybe. I'm going to check mine. Running on another Okay, let's try it again. Okay, does this sound any better? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Okay, okay does this sound any better? Yeah, I still have it a little bit. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, let's try it again. Mine is still okay, happening. Does this sound any All right, I'm closing every tab I have here. Okay. I don't hear anything now. Okay. I think I closed all of my tabs too. So <laughs> are we good? I think we're good. All right. Well, thank welcome, Angel and Mike. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> wow, Thanks everybody so for watching. <laughs> you want to yeah. run that, in that intro again or just skip? Well, that's, that's good. You know, yeah, I mean, this is live and you never know. And I mean, it's always fun. We, what a good laugh we got. And now we're all warmed up. So let's go. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's a treat to be interviewed by you again. And we're excited to be on We Did It Health for the first time. Well, We Did It Health is excited to have you all. And um, you all have been in this. I mean, your community has been around for a long time. Can you tell how many years and and tell us about your journey, both of your, your journeys and, and how you came together to create this community? Well, Gentle World as an intentional community has existed for um, over 50 years now. And as a nonprofit 501c3, it's over 40 years. But um, it really started back in 1970 when light and his late wife's son became vegan at a time when nobody else knew about it and everybody who they were talking to about it thought they had lost their minds completely um, and thought they were gonna die for not getting enough protein or enough calcium or anything like that. So at the time, they just found that the people around them who responded positively to what they were saying wanted to band together and that's how, that's how Gentle World was born. Do you wanna talk a bit about your Becoming vegan journey? Well, it's just that I've repeated that so often. I don't want to bore anyone. 
But it was it was it was a, a movie that my at the time my fiance and I went to see, and in it it was a movie a documentary about I don't know the insanities of the world, which there were many, and one of them was after a bullfight, there were these four huge guys with sledgehammers hitting the bull over the head, and he was just screaming and crying and this huge bull. It took about 20 blows to send him down. And we came out of the theater and we said, uh, wow, we had no idea that that cruelty went on. And from that moment on, we stopped eating meat. And I'd say it was probably a year or two after that. We didn't even think about dairy. We didn't know that that was what it, what it truly is. We thought, oh, well, that was okay. It was just milking the, the cows. <laughs> Anyway, we eventually, after a couple of years, we were living in upstate New York, and we went to visit a, a, a dairy. And when we got there, this cow was screaming and bellowing. We, I, I, we, I thought she was giving birth. It was that kind of screaming and pain. And the owner said, oh, don't worry. It's because we took her calf away because we don't, wanna, <clears throat> we don't want the, the, to share the milk. And the milk is their money. Don't worry, she'll stop in about two or three weeks. The mother will stop crying. So we said, well, we don't want to, we don't want to overlook it. We want to stop it. And from that moment on, we stopped eating all dairy. We thought we would never have ice cream again. We, we were ready to do it. We didn't care. But that's how we thought. And of course, nowadays, <laughs> we have everything from milkshakes to... Uh, you know, with vegan milk and uh, and and probably pizza and everything else. It's it's one of the more positive, uh, which I want to get across to people who've just become vegan or vegan a short time. I know it's terrible. It's something that should have ended yesterday. But the truth is, from my perspective of 53 years, it's come a long, long way. Again, not as not as long as we'd like it to be. But I see now somebody told me Finland is, is uh, suggesting or more than suggesting, actually almost outlawing meat. I don't know if that's true, but I hope it is. But I see everywhere the labels, everything is stamped vegan. That did that. Now, in the old days, we couldn't get a pair of shoes. We couldn't get hardly any food. We used to eat a lot of canned, like vegetarian beans and a lot of... Uh, Peanuts and raisins was our staple, which is still delicious today. But we didn't care. We, we knew we were doing something right. Maybe for the first time in our lives, we were doing something right that was irrefutable. Usually we were doing something right that, that our egos told us was right, and maybe it wasn't. But in this case, we knew that you know, God, him or herself could come down and say, it's okay, you can, you can kill animals and eat them. That's all right with me. We would know that that God was an imposter and we had no doubt about it. We had, we had not stumbled, we had found a truth that, that there was no other side to. Nobody could take the opposing view that, oh, torture and killing, oh, that's okay, I'll speak for that. I mean, of course, that's an insanity. No, no thinking person would, would debate on the side of it's okay to hurt and kill animals. It's not like a lion. We don't have to do that, even though there are lions who don't do it. There was a, a, a lion cub once whose mother was murdered when this cub was a, a baby. And that the smell of blood would, would turn that, what became a full-grown lion, would turn that lion off. And that lion never ate anything you know, any meat, anything that had blood on it. So it's possibly, you know, they have the expression when when uh, the lion lies down with the lamb. Well, I think first human beings have to lie down with the lamb and stop killing them and making them into food before the lion is going to lie down with the lamb. I think humans have to lie down with the lamb and the horse and the hippopotamus and the rhinoceros and the dog and cat and every animal that lives in the world. They're some of the best, especially as we all know dogs, some of the best creatures that ever existed on this planet. 
if they could talk, they would have a lot to teach humans about love and unconditional love and loyalty and all the wonderful things. I think they're the angels on this planet. I think dogs are the angels on this planet. And I actually believe someday they will talk. Somehow they will. I know there's a dog that, that some psychologist, retired psychologist, was training. And this dog understood 300 English words. And he would put a bunch of stuffed animals, maybe 100 stuffed animals in another room. And he'd say, get the elephant, get the horse, get the cow. And this dog would get up and go in and get the horse and the elephant and the cow, which is more than a, than a toddler would do and more than some adults could do. <laughs> tell you the truth. I saw that dog on TV. <laughs> Amazing, right? Amazing. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yes. Well, you know, the animals, I mean, it's an interesting thing. You know, we talk about vegan community. And, of course, back then it was the opposite for you. You literally had no community because you cut yourself. I mean, the veganism kind of separated you from the rest of the community that you were a part of at the time. But now, mm. of course, the vegan community is is huge. It's worldwide. It's global and it's growing all the time. And of course, you know, having the communion with animals that veganism gives you because you're able to then be more open to our relationship with animals and even to our relationship with the rest of the natural world as a result, in a sense, I feel it gives even more of a sense of belonging, a deeper, a deeper sense of belonging than, um, than maybe we think we're being cut off from when we you know when we become vegan it does maybe change some of our relationships and our, our relationship with society um but we gain this other relationship with the you know with the vegan movement and with the what the hope that veganism represents it gives us a whole other way of belonging in the world that i think is actually much more conducive to inner peace and that other thing that we need so much, which is having a life of meaning, you know, having a purpose to our lives, which is also so important for, for mental health and spiritual health. I, I actually believe it's it's a great antidepressant. So many people are depressed for good reason. Now they're talking about nuclear war. That, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Only kill half the world's population. Aye, aye, aye. So anyway, I think it's actually, it's an antidepressant because it gives somebody something to do that's, as they say, larger than themselves. I know as soon as we became vegan, this became our goal. Our, our little petty problems weren't, weren't the same as what was going on in, with the animals. And, I, and plus, it actually changes one's uh, interior makeup. It changes ourselves. We, ourselves and ourselves, it changes. And I think anybody who's really depressed ought to give it a try, even if it's for a month. And all of a sudden, you take your mind off your own, whatever depresses you, your own problems, and and you and you, you you're doing something that's that's helping all these unfortunate creatures' problems, which are greater than our own, since they're being tortured and killed. And I don't think many depressed people are actually being tortured and killed like that. So I think it would What's be something that somebody would try to use that as a cure for depression instead of uh, things like opioids or whatever. That's that's making the situation worse, which uh, the medical world has been known to do, to give you something that makes the situation worse. <laughs> that's always a good idea, too. It's a little bit of an insane asylum. I, I don't know if I want to be that... Uh, but it's hard to get away from that that reality that, that they're actually talking about using nuclear weapons now. I mean, if that's not insane, then I don't know what the definition is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really great that you have the community that you all do. I mean, to reach out to people that are like feeling afraid at this time, right? And with vegans that don't, a lot of vegans are alone and, and you've built this community this structured place for people to, with similar interests, I mean, with the same interests and 
and the same values to come together. And that's so important. Like, I mean, if people are getting scared about what we're talking about, the future of the world and what's going on, that's that's why we have to have community. We can't just be alone in our houses scared. And so, you know, you all are a blessing to to this universe. General World really is. And tell us about what is general world gentle world what is it like day to day there and where is the gentle world well the location we're in currently is um, our hawaii center and it's situated on the big island of hawaii which is also known as the island of hawaii um, we have a second location which is in new zealand at the top of the north island of new zealand we just haven't been able to go there for quite a while because of COVID restrictions and some other um, things that were hanging us up from going. There is a crew caretaking the New Zealand property right now, and they're trying to actually bring it back to life from a few years of dormancy so that they can begin welcoming visitors again, because that was something that we were doing prior to COVID, which was a really nice way for us to open the doors of the community to people from um, elsewhere to come and see uh, what it is like, you know, what what we do here and how they can be involved. Uh, we haven't been doing the visitor program in quite a while, but if people are interested in learning about that for some time in the future, we do have information about it on our website and some stories from people who have come to visit and worked in the gardens and things like that. Um, we definitely try to, in either location, grow as much food as we can. You know, we really, really like to eat our own veganic produce, for one thing, because even organic produce is um, problematic from a vegan perspective. They use lots of, um, you know, slaughterhouse byproducts and things like that. So Gentle World has always for decades now been forerunners in the veganic growing um, field, as it were. Um, so we try to grow a lot of our own food. We always have rescued animals. You know, right now we have two rescued dogs here keeping us company for this interview. Um, and at our other piece of land here in Hawaii, we also offer um, grazing to other animal rescues. So right now there's um, the number changes, but it's anywhere from a dozen to 16 rescued horses who are um, helping to keep the grass down at our other location. It's really nice to be able to help them have a home because they were all destined for, um, for the slaughterhouse if they hadn't been rescued by um, this local animal group that actually goes and takes them from these last chance auctions. Uh, you see if, if I may pun, I'd like to say they make great neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> they really are just to look at them up there on the, on the hill. They're, they're just beautiful creatures. They're so regal. They're, they're wonderful. It's wonderful to have them and to know they're eating this fine grass that they say is top-notch for herbivorous animals, the grass we have there. Well, it's a beautiful symbiosis because, um, you know, we're not believers in like making animals work for us or anything like that, but it's nice that when you are giving sanctuary to these grazing animals, they can kind of pull their weight by helping with the mowing. I mean, that's a nice, a nice thing to know that it's beautifully non-exploitative but it helps us. So it's like this wonderful, um, you know, win-win situation. We started, we started it with cows. We wanted to help um, a local sanctuary that has five cows who were rescued from a major dairy operation that, that happened here. There was a big dairy rescue where a huge dairy farm had to be closed down because they were polluting the water, by the way, because here in Hawaii, water is a big issue and People like to swim in rivers and things like that. And the local people were complaining. They were getting sick from the rivers because it was being polluted by this huge dairy farm. So they actually, under you know environmental regulations, they managed to get it closed. But when it closed, there were 2,000 cows in that farm, cows and calves, and a beautiful animal rescuer here teamed up, raised a whole lot of money, and found homes. It wasn't just even because there aren't too many animal sanctuaries here. It's a you know it's an island and uh, there's not a lot of that going on. But she actually found forever homes for these cows where they would be able to live out their lives and just graze. And one of the sanctuaries um, took five of them, and she needed extra grazing, so we brought them onto our land for a period there. It didn't work out because the 
rancher who grazes his cows in all the lands around us has bulls breeding with the cows year round and our girls wanted to get to his bulls and unfortunately it was an example of where even to try to rescue animals sometimes can be thwarted by this animal agriculture thing that's going on all around us um but they did get it started with um starting to get the grass down on on our vegan land property which you know prior to that the grass had been a major major um issue to try to get it under control and helping these animals by you know helping the rescues um actually was a big part of helping us to get it manageable so it was just a, a beautiful win-win wow that was a we went way off track of your original question what was it what is daily life like um well one of the things i was going to say because we were talking about you know community and the importance of connection and the importance of um you know, having something meaningful to focus on in a world which is getting scarier and scarier. And I think having a group effort is in and of itself meaningful because, you know, to, to live cooperatively and work cooperatively with other people, um, you have to be able to overcome this perceived separation that we have. You know, you have to kind of overcome your individual differences and, um, not that they don't exist, but just that they're not as important as the shared um, effort, you know, the shared goal, the shared dream. And everybody who participates in Gentle World, we all kind of feel we have this, you know, inner light that comes from participating in something that we really, really believe in wholeheartedly. So, uh, you know, we hope that that also allows us to reflect that out to the rest of the world and, and to try to be an inspiration to other people who you know, maybe don't have that sense of belonging. You know, we want Gentle World to be a place that people can turn to for for hope and for inspiration and um, and maybe to see a different vision of the future than what they might be seeing through the lens of the, the world's media and, you know, that kind of thing. I'd like to make this economic point about communal living. For example, I drive by in town, I see these people who are living paycheck to paycheck, but they always have a brand new vehicle in their driveway, which nowadays costs, I don't know, a pickup truck must be $35,000, $40,000. Well, when we all got together, we happened to have one or two men who were mechanics. So we didn't need to buy $50,000 vehicles. We could buy a 10 or 15 year old vehicle. And instead of having to run in and pay somebody a lot of money to fix it, if something went wrong, Part of your commune is a person or persons who can fix a vehicle. We still do that. Our cars are in good shape, but they're, I think the newest one is 10 years old now. But they, they you know, the point is, well, you can buy in bulk. We used to buy uh, tahini in five-gallon buckets and maple syrup in five-gallon buckets, which is a lot cheaper than, uh, than buying those little jars they have. I wish, of course, it's a matter of people learning to live together, but all these poor people who live separately, if they could only learn to live together, it would be a way to combat uh, their uh, their poor economic status in life. It's, it's sad if people only learn to live. The whole world's a commune. They just don't realize it. We're all human. We're all a commune, just like every cat's a part of a cat commune, every dog and every 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 we're all together that's 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 something that, that has to be learned along with veganism as if we're all part of a commune of human beings boy we're i'm afraid to say a long way from that but if only vegans would get together as we did we couldn't live we couldn't sit and eat with people who are eating the leg of a lamb or the the breast of a chicken so finally we had a we, we just had to separate from that and we, we, we lived together. At the peak, it was 35 people. Of course, all vegan, everything. Our dogs were vegan. Our people were vegan. And, of course, you know, in the beginning, when they say the dogs were vegan, they did that at a time when, I mean, people didn't know that humans could do it healthfully. And with the dogs, just like it was with themselves, it was a little bit of a leap of faith into we know this is right and, you know, we you know believe that this can be done healthfully. And the dogs ate what they ate. I mean, they would just make, you know, they would make this whole fresh food and, and share it with the dogs. Um, and then, of course, over the years, I wanted to say this is one of the great things about the vegan community is people out 
in the world taking on their own different roles. And now we have beautiful products like the dog, you know, and these, and then uh, the book I was just mentioning to you, the plant powered dog. I mean, it's amazing to see how the vegan community as it grows, um, people take on their own missions, you know, to, to move it all forward. And we all get to benefit from that. So now our dogs are big fans of the dog. <laughs> just want to Very big fans. <laughs> Yeah, and Linda, one of the owners, her Linda and her son. I mean, Linda's a powerhouse. I mean, she's an amazing example, and then she really works hard. I mean, building community and and mentoring other people, mentoring other people through veganism. So it's beautiful. That I mean, connecting with others is what we have to have to be to thrive. So absolutely. Yeah, yes. we and there are more and more. There are more and more opportunities for that now too, you know, and even if people are feeling isolated, if they're in a, a community where they're not surrounded by many vegans and they feel kind of alone in it, you know, take a look online and see what opportunities might be available to you because like you do the coaching and you were talking about other people who are doing coaching and there's all sorts of, um, you know, just online groups and forums where it's it's not the same connecting online, but I mean, there are a lot of places where at least people do Zoom meetings and things like that. So people can at least be connected with people who do share their values and not feel so alone. And also just to recognize that this community is growing. And even though it feels, of course, horrendously slow that the animal industry is still doing what it's doing and it's so slow for people to awaken and it's bizarre because it's such a simple thing and why is it taking this long all of that stuff and of course you know build up into rumination that can set people into a spiral of, of depression if we um are not careful but the flip side of that is that um it is growing and there is so much um to be to be hopeful for in that regard yeah, just to get back <clears throat> the opposing view with the feeding the dogs vegan that you hear on the internet a lot is that dogs came from wolves and therefore have to eat what wolves eat. But that's so far from the truth. You know, we came from, if that were true, we'd be jumping from branch to branch with our arms, you know? <laughs> They've lived with us for, some people think, 100,000 years, but even if it's 50,000 years. I have seen in my own life, which is a lot shorter than, not much, but a little shorter than 50,000 years, <laughs> I've seen dogs go from, well, you remember they used to say fight like cats and dogs. They would kill each other if they got together when I was a kid. The dog would bite the mailman constantly if he came to the door. And they would just, then dogs would fight with each other. Now you look on the internet, a dog is sleeping with a bird, with a turtle, with because they've learned to, as far as I'm concerned, they've gotten together to oppose the common enemy. They all have the, whether it's a hippopotamus or a dog, the, the common enemy is the same. And I'm ashamed to say it's us, not us personally, but it's human beings. And I, I just hope that young people don't get discouraged because I see a tremendous, tremendous change and not enough, of course, but what a change. I look and I see vegans stamped in the supermarket, vegan products. I see on television, they don't make fun of vegans so much anymore like they used to. Now there's some member, if they have a Thanksgiving dinner, there's somebody having tofurkey and they don't make fun of it so much. Or everybody's got a nephew or a niece or a daughter or a son who's a vegan. This is so far from true when I started that if I could only get that across to young people, don't look at the dark side like that, that movie says, always look. In this case, on the bright side, because it is, it's moving and it's an idea that just, it's an idea whose time has come, especially in the, in the eyes of young people. We know so many kids, little kids who have never, ever eaten meat and, and never will, or dairy for that matter. You know, the Phoenixes have, the Phoenix, Joaquin's not only his own child, but his, his siblings' kids have never eaten meat or dairy. And in all likelihood, they never will. They're the hope of the world. People who have never, ever been, been indoctrinated by that belief that we're meant to eat the body parts of other living creatures. I mean, talk about insanity. Where did that begin? 
Anyway, I just wanted to take a little heart in the fact that it's from my point of view, and I've been doing it for a long time, there's great, great changes. Things that if I had known the day after I started from where it was, I would say, wow, it's miraculous. Look what's going on. There are whole countries that are switching away from meat, so I hear. It's well, I think there are initiatives within those countries, yeah. But but one thing I wanted to say, too, is that, you know, vegans are criti often criticized, and, you know, it's a shame, and I'm sure it's not always fair, but we do tend to be kind of perceived as being like the downers in the group. <laughs> you know, we're the ones who are criticizing people's food and making them feel bad. And, um, and you know, I mean, of course, when you look at it from the perspective of the animals who are enslaved, all of that is so petty and ridiculous and, come on, it's absurd. But we are dealing with human beings who, you know, are not necessarily attracted by that feeling of... Um, you know, doom and gloom that sometimes comes along with it. And certainly the whole, you know, judgmental thing and blame and all of that, which is so easy to, to go there. But I think if vegans are feeling isolated and they're feeling down and they're focusing on the negative and forgetting to focus on the positive, you know, it also alters the vibration that we put out to other people, which is going to change whether they're turned on by what we're presenting and attracted by it and want to be a part of it or whether they're more kind of turned off by it and don't really want to be in that kind of energy field or however you want to call it. And I think, you know, it's not so much a matter of, you know, that it's bad or wrong to focus on the negative. And we certainly try to, you know, inform people clearly about what's going on. When people come here to visit, we show them documentaries and we talk to them about the reality of the situation because we think you have to open your eyes to that in order to become vegan. You can't skip that step. Like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to see that. If you're not willing to look at it, you won't ever really be able to understand the importance of this and, and, and make a commitment that you can actually stick with. Um, but I also think that, and, and I think it's one of the reasons that we've been successful with people coming here and becoming vegan is because when they first come, they're, you know, they're attracted by the feeling that they get, which is one that is ultimately hopeful and, you know, focusing on a vision of the future that's that's brighter. Um, and so I think in a way it's like, you know, it's presenting that invitation to people that that they can they can actually feel better from this. You know, I mean, yeah, it does put you through a number when you first learn about what's going on. It can be really, really hard and it can put people through a lot of emotion. But at the other side of it, you become a part of something that makes you feel hopeful for the future. It makes you feel like there's actually a solution to so many of the problems that we face that maybe seem to be not connected to one another. But when you look at it at that fundamental state that it's about, you know, how do we relate in the world? Do we prey upon everybody and everything around us? Do we see everything else as being there for our use or do we want to you know, protect and be fair and just towards everything around us. So once you come to that point, when you see it that way, you realize how big this is for, you know, all the problems that are facing us as a society. And then it makes you feel like, well, wow, if I could change, if I can change my habits from one thing to another thing, well, that kind of means there's hope really for everybody to change. I mean, at least those of us who are not psychopathic. <laughs> so... Anyway, the point is, I think that if we're feeling depressed, if we're feeling down and low and miserable and despairing, it doesn't necessarily help the animals for us to get trapped in that way of thinking. And I think that when we when we are in that space, it kind of makes it almost a responsibility to find a way of dealing with that inner space so that we're being a light in the world instead of, you know, adding to the despair, which is, you know, easy to easy to come easy to come by these days despair <laughs> it's not a um it's not a sparse commodity did you want to say something i did but i forgot yeah because i was just talking for so long <laughs> well i love what you're saying yeah you're right i mean we've got to shine our light so people will be attracted to us and take care of ourselves we have to take care of ourselves first and um and that's why community is so important. And I do have a, a comment here, maybe for an answer. Let's see if y'all can answer this. I, whoops. 
I don't have a dog. However, is it taurine or something that the dog needs? I was wondering so I could speak to it if someone asked me in my group. That's a good question. And um, taurine is actually what they say. You have to supplement when you try to make a cat vegan um, or feed a cat vegan. If you want to try feeding cats vegan, you absolutely have to supplement taurine. But there are other things you have to supplement as well. And if everybody, if anybody is wanting to try a vegan diet on their cat, they absolutely have to do very careful research to make sure that they're doing it right. We've heard of people doing it successfully, but it's not something we try to do because anatomically they're just a lot more different. But dogs are easier. They don't need, I don't believe that they need taurine supplementation per se, but um, I think most of the commercial foods do have it added, like V-Dog, I think, I think has taurine added. But I would say if anybody is curious about that kind of thing, absolutely look up the plant-powered dog. Um, Diana is her name, Diana Dunetz. She has a hyphenated last name, and I can't remember her middle name, but she did a book called The Plant-Powered Dog. It's on Facebook. Um, we actually just posted a link to it on one of our um, Facebook discussions. But she did, she's just put together an incredible guide to feeding vegan dogs. And it's very comprehensive. And it talks about all the different ins and outs. She's a believer in a whole foods plant-based diet for, um, for vegan dogs, which of course makes a lot of sense, just like it does for us. Um, but of course, you know, that, that's time consuming. And thankfully there are commercial dog foods available like V-Dog, which as far as I understand, they're legally required to be nutritionally complete. I don't think you're allowed to kind of put a dog food out there. And especially if you put that stamp, the AFCO stamp or whatever it is that V-Dog has, um, they're required to be nutritionally complete. You know, that, that they have dog food that's vegan, that in itself is a miracle. We, we, in the first must be 10 years, we, of course, made food for the dogs. There was no, we used to dream about those milk bones, but in vegan form, you know, they're shaped like a, like <laughs> a bone. And now, now they actually have, these are miracles to me. Who would have ever thought that there would be vegan dog food, let alone vegan human food? Yeah, well, imagine, I mean, when they became vegan back in 1970, I mean, he said earlier that they... Um, they just thought they were giving these things up. When they stopped eating ice cream, they thought they wouldn't have ice cream again. But it didn't matter as much as the veganism. You know, what they were doing, the stand they were making felt so right to them. They didn't care about giving up ice cream. And now, you know, the reward, I mean, it's kind of amazing for, for them to experience those rewards all these years later of, um, you know, all these products being on the market. But there was a time in Gentle World where they used to sit around and talk about how great it would be if products were stamped vegan. And you could just go into the store and know that what you were buying was vegan. And now, of course, that's true of so many of the products we buy. So there is evolution. There is change. And in fact, I subscribe to the um, the Veganomist, which is kind of a mix of vegan. And then they have also, you know, stories about uh, cultivated products and things like that. But their stories about the um, about the uh, vegan companies that are on the rise now. I mean, it's just amazing. And it's all over the world. They have them in every different country talking about new burgers and new milks and, you know, mushroom steak and clothing and just all sorts of different things that, you know, it, it, it does help to keep that um, feeling of inspiration alive. I get that newsletter just because every day when I read it, I feel like the vegan world is growing. And that's such a help to you know, nurturing that feeling of, well, you know, even though sometimes it's not always easy to recognize it, this pull of evolution is pulling us in that, in that right direction. And it's, and now it's snowballed. I mean, it's taken on a life of its own. When, when Light and Sun became vegan back in 1970, and even when the community formed, and in its early years, there was no, I mean, there was some people called vegan in England, but they didn't know anybody like that. There was no movement, you know, there was no Certainly there was no online reality. There weren't health food stores. Son used to say to me, we didn't have tofu or soy milk, you know. So not only the products, but also the fact that the vegan world, the vegan economy um, as well, is it's growing and it's taken on a life of its own. And now it's just, you know, off and running, which is just just astonishing, really. Pretty amazing. 
I mean, even in my time, I'm only, I'm 23 years vegan, which I guess is not, compared to you, it's I'm only 23 years. <laughs> but, um, but even in my time, I've seen so much change, you know, from, from where we didn't have even a good cheese. I mean, remember when the cheeses were all... Yeah, pizza was the last thing that we got to make. And these amazing artisan cultured cheeses. I mean, cheese is not just, you know, those little squares that you used to get. Now they have cheese shops, vegan cheese shops. And, you know, all of that, I mean, it may seem trivial because it's just businesses and food and all of that kind of thing. But the more that gets out there, the more that that's available to people and these alternatives are there for them to, to turn to, um, you know, the more it's just going to help to you know, help to feed this uh, this momentum of the progress that we're experiencing. Amen to that. And someone is saying evolution and change. Yes, Angel. Yes, <laughs> I know it's very important that we focus on that that we focus on the light and we focus on the progress that we're making. Because if we don't, then we go into these depressions and the isolation, and that's not healthy for anyone. That's like you said, that's not helping the animals. So yeah, that's why your your community is so important, and the way that you really are getting the message out to people is is very impactful. I mean, it's very thoughtful too, respectful. Well, that's, that, that's my main purpose for being fifty three year vegan, is to give these younger people, or not the younger people who are more recent vegan, to give them a lot more hope, because of the changes I've seen. You know, they don't go back that far. But it's, it's a totally different vegan world. And it's once that momentum starts, because it's a truth, you know, they're not going to bring, and not only that, the internet has helped a great deal in, on many levels, including all those cute dogs that are on there every night. On the internet. <laughs> on yes. the internet. Stories of animal, and, and stories of animal rescue too, which, you know, I mean, we watch uh, different, you know, animal rescue stories and, it's just, I think it's so good that people get to see that now because, you know, they're recognizing that there is a different way to interact with these animals. There's a different way to be with them. There's a different way to see them. And the internet is definitely showing that. Yeah, I wanted to say years ago, Gentle World is, you know, because over the years they've done different things to, uh, we've got a lawnmower going outside now. I don't know if you can hear that, but um you know, different ways to make money, different ways to raise money. And at one time they were um, uh, painting houses and they had a little business that was called um, Brighter World. And they had this little business card with this little man and with a, this is decades ago, little man with a paintbrush and the card said Brighter World. And, um, and I think that that's still, even though that was specific to the paint business, it's still, um, a part of what we're trying to do now, you know, we're trying to just show this, this idea of a time um, in the future, I guess, you know, we're trying to paint this brighter world and, and show people something that they can feel more comfortable and at home. In. And even if you look at the sweater, so this is something Gentle Worlders did years ago. This was one of their early oh, fundraising things. Flowers did this actually. This must be, because they had an, a, a mail order catalog where they used to do, you know, T-shirts and stationery and all sorts of things. And it's a different way of looking at, you know, like the vegan, um, the vegan message, which so often is, you know, um, involved with the, the horror, the darkness of what's going on in the farms and the factories and the labs and all of that stuff. And of course, that's endless. If you want to go there, there's plenty plenty to go into and, and inform people about and like i said we do do that i'm not talking about not doing that but we try to show this other side which is um you know like like even this this sweater it's just trying to show people the gentleness and human nature isn't that a world we would rather be in you know that that's our relationship with animals rather than locking them in cages and dripping acids into their eyes and you know so it just gives, it's like, again, it's that invitation into a different part of ourselves, you know, a softer, gentler part of ourselves. And that part has always been there. I mean, we stepped away from it, or we were taught to step away from it as, as little children. Little children don't want to, wouldn't have nothing to do with this. Exactly. And we're seeing that more and more now with um, children who actually are saying it out and out on video, right? I mean, you see these clips now of, um, 
you know, children telling their parents that they don't they don't want to eat that stuff anymore. Don't make me do it. Um, you know, we all know that it's, uh, you know, it's something that children wouldn't want to be a part of. And now again, the internet is is showing people that that that's, uh, you know, what that looks like on a child's face. That the way they feel that on the inside. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just remembered. I just remembered. Oh, what you wanted to say back yeah. then? Okay. I want to make this point about this situation with welfareists. Somebody who's in favor of animal welfare is, to me, is like in 1943 giving the, uh, the prisoners in Dachau a pillow or a mattress. You know, not, not that that wouldn't be better for them, but it really doesn't get to the point. You know, they want to make things better so that they use a stun gun or they, these are just absurdities. Cruelty is cruelty. A little, you know, a little soften. That's what welfare is. It's a little better for the animals. A little better is not good enough because it's not like they're being smacked with an open hand and you need to do a little better. They're being tortured and killed and scared. I've seen so many pictures of the, when the, when the cow realizes that the cow in front of him is screaming and being killed and he tries to escape from the enclosure they put him in. One of the saddest pictures in the world. Not to mention what you hear about what they do to dogs with beagles and the army. And it is what they do with animals is just a gross it's it's Dachau of, of four-legged animals. And you know, people take the exception to comparing it to the Holocaust, but Ask any animal in the world, whether it be an elephant or a rhinoceros or a dog. It's a holocaust as far as they're concerned and as far as I'm concerned. And I'm sure as far as you're concerned and every vegan. It's a holocaust. We must put an end to it. There is no choice. And there is no peace in the world unless we stop eating, sustaining ourselves on, on, on murder. The murder goes from the four-legged to the two-legged, especially if they're a little different color than, than white people are. It's just such a sad situation. It must be stopped. And every young people listening, anybody, young or old listening to this, that's your greatest mission. You must put an end to this Holocaust that's going on or we'll know, we'll know no peace, whether it be in the Ukraine or anywhere else. We can't know peace and cause such such horrendous grief to people with four legs and funny ears who feel. They feel they may have funny ears, but then again, they smell a lot better than we do. I mean, olfactory wine. And they're a lot nicer in many ways. All of them, including cows, these cows where you could go over and pet them with their big eyes. It's it's a horror. A horror for the animals as great as the Holocaust was for all the people that Hitler killed. And he's by far not the only one. He's, he's just the most infamous. Anyway, that was my point. The yeah, welfare, I'm glad, I'm glad you were Welfare it. point. Welfare is not the answer. It's absolute abolishment. That's the answer. Yeah. I think when we talk about community, you know, what we're really talking about is connection. And that's what people are craving because people are so disconnected. And of course, everything that's going on in the world that's so scary, including the war, it's it's all it's all a result of that idea that we're separate from one another, that we're not interconnected at our core. We all know that we are, even science tells us that now, let alone all of the world's major religions and everything. Um, but anything that hurts others helps to enforce that separation. And, you know, when we become vegan, we actually have the opportunity to, um, you know, to deepen our experience of connection, certainly with other animals. I mean, if people take care of dogs before becoming vegan and then become vegan and still take care of dogs, they'll find that their, um, you know, their sense of connection with them deepens tremendously. Their appreciation for them deepens tremendously because it's like you remove this block between you that is kind of, you know, this speciesism that we have, this bigotry against other animals, that their lives are not as important as ours, or their suffering doesn't matter if it helps to give us something that we want. Or, you know, all of these ideas exist, you know, serve to separate us from them. 
So, you know, I mean, when we see cows, when you get the chance to pet a cow, it's always sad because we know, you know, we know the reality of what their lives are going to be. But on the other hand, you get to meet that cow with this presence inside you that is, I don't do that. You know, I'm not, I'm not a part of what's hurting you and I'm working to help stop what you're going through. And that, you know, spiritually, it's just actually tremendously nourishing to help heal the other side, which is, I mean, as Will T Tuttle talks about in his book, we can pretend it's not going on all we want. Denial doesn't make it go away. You know, so people might, like I was saying, you know, people take offense at calling the animal Holocaust a Holocaust. Well, they can take offense at it. Doesn't change what, what's true. You know, I think the reason people take offense at it is not so much about who the victims are, but more because they don't want to see themselves as the perpetrators. It's one thing pointing at Nazis and saying they did that. But when we think about the animal Holocaust, if we think of it that way, we have to realize we're the Nazis. We're the Nazis. And that's really, really hard for people to, to reckon with. But you have to to get to the other side of it, which is not being a Nazi anymore. And then you become a part of the resistance. And, you know, that just takes away all that, you know, the guilt and shame that people are afraid of having to face. Um, but as much as they might, you know, want to deny that it's going on, it's like Will says in his book, it's just, you're just, you're pushing it down below the surface, but it still exists. It's still there. And it's still impacting all our, you know, our collective psyche, our collective conscience. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hurting us as humans in many, many, many significant ways. Um, so coming to the other side of that collectively and actually rejecting that bigotry is going to be just monumentally future changing for humanity. It'll be the, the, you know, the key into the new world that we're, that will allow us to live peacefully and unafraid. And, um, one day that's the dream. Yes, I mean that's coming all of all of us coming together. No, no more separateness, right? Where we all recognize each other as you know as beautiful living beings, and there's not one one's better than the other. I was walking around today at the nature center, volunteering and looking at the animals and thinking, why, why, why do I think that I'm better than this animal? You know, why would I think that I was better than this animal? You know, looking at the little owls and. And, and and seeing their beauty, right? Which is different from my beauty. That doesn't mean that I'm better than they are. And I thought, where? how did we get to this place? It's different from our beauty, but somehow it's the same beauty in us that's in them. And as we allow ourselves to recognize it in them, it allows us to recognize it in ourselves as well, because that beauty is our source. That's the life force that unites us. That, that same beauty that we see in them when we look at a, a kitten or a puppy or a horse or, you know, any, or the owl, you know, a, a whale, a dolphin, that, that, that almost haunting beauty that reminds you of something that, that, that you want to go towards. That's our true nature. That that's our, the uniting force between us all that, you know, we're denying it in ourselves when we deny it in them. That's what, that's what, people don't realize is that as we deny it in them, we're denying ourselves from recognizing our own beauty and our own deservingness of having our life be revered um, or respected. So it's really, it's so symbiotic, you know, when you become vegan, it just opens up this channel that keeps feeding you, keeps nourishing you, you know, more and more and more over the years. The more you do it, the more rich it becomes. It's a panacea. They don't like to use that word, but veganism is a panacea. It's good for the environment. It's good for humans, of course, good for the animals. It's good economically and good land-wise because they're using all the land, as we know. We grow, you know, Iowa and all those, Nebraska, you think. As a kid, I used to think all that wheat and everything they're growing. I thought, well, look how plentiful we're feeding all the people. But I don't know, 90% of that growth is they feed to animals which is of course another absurdity it's uh, it's a panacea and it's a panacea whose time has come you, we, we we'll watch it in the years following it's just going to get bigger and bigger 
yes. Well, I'll say the future, future is vegan. Let me just say that now. The future is vegan. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, um, I see we're coming to the end of our hour. What I'd love for you to share with us is like, if someone wanted to come to General World, what would they need to do? Or is that possible? And, and um, I mean, I'm sure it's possible. Um, how? What would they have to do? And also, please share where we can make donations to General World or how can we help General World? Oh, that's so good of you, Marikita. Thank you for saying that. And donations are always welcome because everything we do, all of our outreach and everything, it all costs money. We don't we don't really charge for anything. Even when people were coming here and getting two weeks of vegan education on site, you know, we weren't charging money for that. Um, we really just like to make the vegan education available to everybody. Um, but donations are very much welcome and they are... Um, you know, always used with integrity and, you know, to the best of our ability to make the dollars stretch and all of that. So that is certainly on our website, gentleworld.org. Um, you can make a donation there. You can also sign up for our newsletter there. You can find us on social media. Um, and as far as reaching out to, to come and visit, the best thing that people can do is just send us an email, you know, go to the contact us page, let us know that you're interested and we can begin the conversation. And if people want to know anything about feeding dogs, we've probably over the 50 years have had, of course, of course they don't live long enough, nothing to do with the food. Yeah, that's not from being vegan. That's just the no, dogs don't just, live long enough. <laughs> or some, some little kid of about seven once said, they die so young so that we could love more of them, which I thought was about the best reason for that I ever heard, mm. even though it was from a seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah, if anybody wants to know anything about feeding their animals vegan, I mean, we're a bit of experts, I would say, in that field because we've had so many. Yeah, and we're an educational organization, so if people have other questions about um about veganism and about vegan community, then um, feel free to reach out. Absolutely. Use the contact us page on our site yes. and Especially um, we are a resource. Yeah, we're also experts in, in that field. Yeah, Ve that's right. Vegan <laughs> community. Anybody wants to start a vegan community and wants to get in touch, we would welcome that. That would be great. Yeah. And what if someone wanted to come and stay, live at your, at General World? Is there a place for that or no right now? Um, well, we're a little bit kind of in transition right now in that regard. We're hoping that our new land will open up those opportunities more. That's just been a bit of a process to make that whole thing um, happen. But um, Get the money to pay for it. <laughs> That's the rub. Yeah, <laughs> that is the rub. <laughs> we're close. We're getting there. Um, we're on the right track. But, um, but again, it would just be the same thing. Reach out. Let us know what your interest is. You know, we're open to um, you know meeting people who whose vision aligns with ours. And if it if it can be done, we'll 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 make it happen. So the first thing is just to touch base and let us you know if someone's interested, let us know what your interest is, and we'll we'll open up a dialogue. We need all the help we can get. The truth is, the whole movement needs all the help it can get. As long as it's helpful, it's good. Yes. Yeah, so oh, everybody, you. please go ahead. Oh, I'm just no, seeing the comment. You <laughs> thank you, Facebook user. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were talking before we started the broadcast just about you know making ourselves available to as a resource for people who want to reach out who maybe are experiencing some of that feeling of isolation that we were talking about, or despairing, or you know losing sight of the the brighter dream, the brighter vision. And so we do want to invite people to, you know, reach out for a Zoom conversation. We can just just talk and help someone to feel that they're not so alone. Uh, so that's something people can certainly also reach out and, and request if they're interested in that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you for building this amazing community and all the hopefulness you gave us. I mean, I, I see. I mean, I see these wonderful comments about the positive movement. I like that idea of bringing a positive viewpoint. Yes, and, and this is so powerful, everything that you've shared. I mean, from moving from here to there. So tonight, we don't have to be sad. Tomorrow, we don't have to be sad. Just play this video over and over and share it with your friends. And remember that we have moved from here to here and we keep moving forward and, and being a part of this beautiful community. So 
I'm so appreciative of you all coming on here and sharing your wisdom and your joy and light. So thank you, Angel and Light, for um, just being you and everything you brought to this universe. Thank you. Thank you. We're so grateful for the for the opportunity and the platform and all of your listeners and everything that you're bringing to this movement as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you everyone for watching. So, I mean, you all are, we're, we are a community here and thank you for spending your time with us. So I'm going to say namaste vegan, everybody. <laughs> and have a beautiful night. And thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you.